there and welcome to the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. It's two wins from two from United after last weekend's horror show at White Hart Lane and a spot in the FA Cup semi-finals next weekend has been confirmed after a 1-2 win over West Ham which was completely undermined by a tremendously uninspiring 1-0 win today at home to one of the worst teams in Premier League history in the shape of Aston Villa. Joining me tonight to go through these two games is none other than Mr Richard Can. Richard, how are you doing? I'm alright, thank you. Are you? Not too bad, cheers, buddy. Yep, it's, uh, well, I guess it's not been a terrible, terrible week, but it still feels quite, I don't know, I, I think after that Spurs game in particular, I feel quite sort of numb about United to a certain extent. I think you were being rather kind about the Villa performance, to be honest. Okay. I think that's what Was it that? is. I think we've had to sit through that today, um, and it's it's drained the goodwill from our souls, hasn't it? Is it is it me, Rich? Am I making a mistake? I felt like today in particular, I thought, well, I mean, it's Villa, so we should we should rack up a few goals today, surely. I mean, this is the perfect opportunity for Van Hal just to chuck his best and fastest attacking players on the pitch and just say, go on, go at them. Didn't happen. I don't. I don't is it? Am I doing something wrong? I, I thought that today's performance was just about the most predictable thing ever in the history of humanity. It, you know, it's been the story all the way through, hasn't it? That whilst we perform well against better against teams that come out and attack us um, we're absolutely hopeless at playing teams that don't want to attack us at all even if they're crap at not attacking us today was just the most obvious thing ever we've got no no real top class creativity in the the final third so we can open teams up when they're quite open but if a team sits back we just haven't got the class to take them out you also uh, called that uh, Spurs result as well you said the uh the game was going to go pretty terribly beforehand. So, um, yeah, maybe there's a, a lucrative job somewhere for that sort of clairvoyancy. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's quite rare, you know, stop clock and all that. Absolutely. Right, well, let's uh, nip over to last Wednesday and that uh, FA Cup quarterfinal replay over at Upton Park. Now, we were dooming and glooming it to a certain extent before the game happened, and that start was not particularly encouraging. That first 10 minutes was no. quite worrying, especially for our wide players, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, I don't think we were being overly negative in dooming and glooming it beforehand because you look blunt at, realism I guess well yeah I mean exactly we, you know we've seen from Van Hal's teams all season that we're quite crap really and <laughs> generally speaking we're boring and crap and we were playing away against a team who have been neither boring nor crap no and they've had a lot of creativity and you know whilst they'd had a couple of sort of uh, more difficult home results they hadn't lost at home since September I think so you know, it was clearly quite a formidable place to go, and you throw in the fact it was the last um, FA Cup game at Upton Park, and I, I always hate United playing there when it's when it's an evening game because it just always. I think there's a really great atmosphere at Upton Park, and it really and um, echoes it, and it make it a cup game as well, and it was always going to be a really difficult atmosphere to play in, and I don't I don't think it was unreasonable to to have um, quite a, quite a, a nasty sinking feeling about that, but. As you say, the ten, first 10 or 15 minutes didn't really give us much hope that it, it would be anything different. But after that, we actually got quite a good grip on the game. Yeah, I think it was only really... Uh, I think it was Antonio who had that one chance early on where he hit a very, very tame shot towards De Gea. But whilst there was definitely plenty of sort of penetration coming in from the wings, they didn't actually really do much with it, which was quite heartening. They weren't really pinging it over to Carroll. It, it took a long time for them to do that. And yeah, it was... Uh, Oddly enough, it was a Fellaini burst or of two that actually set us up for some quite decent chances in that first half in the end. Well, it made it made sense. I, I, I could understand the logic in playing against West Ham because they are a physical team, they're a tall team, and um, 
there was some logic to having height in the team. But if he played him in it as kind of as a, one of the two holding midfielders, then he, I don't care how tall he is, you playing with ten men, ten and a half yeah, men, I mean, because he's happy. He and Herrera were essentially swapping with each other, weren't they? Well, they were exactly. Um, but but the the benefit we got from him was him playing in a more advanced position, because which is really where he played for Everton, which I'm. You know, I'm absolutely certain is his best position, and he really caused um, West Ham some problems from there. Um, and I think his was the first, the first really decent chance, wasn't it? That was that was tipped over. I mean, yeah. I was I was I was being sarcastic as ever on on Twitter and, um, and perish the thought. I know, and starting a sweepstake as to which what point of the match would have our first shot on target. And I was I was going for somewhere after the hour. You know, generally speaking, our first halves are entirely mundane pointless affairs aren't they um i think um i think the the spurs the spurs game is the 22nd time this season we've been nil nil at half time which is it it's that's just astonishing isn't it so but anyway going back to the west west ham game that, that it was a complete contrast wasn't it there was you know after that first 10 15 minutes we really started to penetrate them a lot um and i think lingard a couple of sort of half chances you know we really I would say on the balance of the first half, we were the better team. Yeah, this, the strange thing about that first half, as you mentioned there, was that after that sort of shaky beginning, we settled. But not only did we settle, we actually looked dangerous, which is not really a combination we've made too many times this season at all. No, it just... I think one of the frustrations we've had under Van Gaal is that we have these isolated games where everything seems to work. And it must be... It must be... When we face teams who set up in a in a particular way that, that that makes them vulnerable to us, but the problem is that that tends to only happen one in every six or seven games, at best possibly. So I, I've got no clue what West Ham were doing that made them made them vulnerable to us because and they should be quite ashamed of that because so many teams haven't been. Whatever it was, we were getting a lot of space, um, and Fellaini was particularly effective in that kind of advanced midfield role and we really we really had quite a grip on the game and I think um at half time we could be a little um we were a little unfortunate not to be ahead already. Well I mean you wonder about that Lingard chance if that would have fallen to anyone else, perhaps Martial or Rashford, you're thinking one nil to a certain extent really aren't you? He is just an appalling finisher, isn't he? I mean he, he scored that goal against West Ham which was terrific and the Chelsea the Chelsea goal again which was a really, really high class goal. Yeah, but he, West Brom. Just to correct you, sorry, the West Brom game, and then and then the Chelsea game. Yeah, he's capable of a wonderful finish. That much is clear. I think I would love to see him be better on some more simple ones. You remember that one against Newcastle? We just ballooned it over the bar. Yeah, it's one in every ten, isn't it? Um, you know, he, he hits one in every ten right, and the rest are just absolutely hopeless. Um, I, think, I, I remember the um, the Watford game away that we won two one, and he was he was played through against the keeper, and all he had to do was lob him, and he. just completely scuffed it and it was you know it was hopeless it's the sort of thing you'd sort of seen on a on a well sort of thing I'd have done on a Sunday league pitch in my in my heyday so his finishing is is wretched knowing you in general in normal life is interesting enough I would love to see you playing Sunday league I, I was actually quite good for a very 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 limited period before before I I found beer and other distractions <laughs> where did you play I was a centre forward. Oh, I was okay. a free scoring centre forward, and then then I got bored and did other things instead. Oh, fair enough. Uh, that, going back to the game, um, 
Looking at the way that sort of first half panned out, it felt like it was going to go to quite a familiar pass in the sense that we sort of had that possession. Okay, we made a couple of chances, which was a rarity in itself, but it, it felt similar to the Spurs game. At least I had that sort of same feeling where, all right, well, we've done all right here, but okay, we don't have a goal and it's nearly not half time. Are we going to be able to actually capitalise on this possession and the pressure and do anything with it? Rich, lo and behold, we actually did capitalise on it. We did, and the reason the reason you feel like that is because for United to score a goal, it feels like you're it feels like the the entire team are wading through treacle, doesn't it? And you're you're yeah. you're you're drowning in treacle watching it. We don't it, we don't have this expectation of somebody doing something quite special because it hasn't happened very much this season. I guess I guess in my in my mind, I'm because I I'm so excited about Rashford. I'm almost waiting for the bubble to burst Be, you know I, I'm always I'm, I'm just waiting for my, my excitement to be ruined by by him sort of coming falling back to normality and so it's doubly wonderful when he does something really really special which reinforces your your excitement about him that goal was just absolutely stupendous it was ridiculous. I mean, I think it was Herrera who got the touch first. I think it was hit into him and then Martial played him through. I mean, the close control was good enough. I mean, to have worked that tiny, tiny pocket of space, I think it was around Tompkins at the time, that was excellent. The finish, I mean, to have picked that spot just beyond Randolph in that top right-hand corner, because you look at that replay again, it nestles so well in that corner and it's just curled beautifully. He could not have hit that any better if he tried. Tried a hundred times over, I don't think he would have struck that better than he did. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was right in the postage stamp and if you watch it again, it's really wonderful, particularly if you watch it in slow motion. I will watch it again. If you watch it in slow motion, what's really wonderful is that the keeper is nowhere near it. I mean, he's not even close. He's, he's you know, there's a despairing dive but it is, it's about three or four feet away from his, from his, his palm. It's, you know, he, it was absolutely an absolutely perfect finish, and it was like a bullet, wasn't it? And what I really, really love about um, about Rashford, which isn't really the case for a lot of our players, is that he can be having a really quiet game or a really, really ineffective game, as he, uh, uh, you know, he saw against City as well. And then he just there's just a burst, a burst of brilliance, um, and he just score a goal, and he, he's done nothing before in the game, and he just scored the most amazing goal, and it's. It's great because the, the Rashford we saw at first was purely about finishing, wasn't he? It was about being a pre- it was a predator. It was two, two predatory goals against F- FC Midgetland, and then um, the same, really the same against Arsenal. And so you're thinking, is this kid just a kind of predatory six yard box finisher? And then he's gone and shown us that he's got so much more to his game as well. And I don't think we've got another player. You, I, I don't really think we've had that player since since Rooney at his peak, who can score the the ugly goals and the wonderful goals. I guess, you know, our, our excitement is just ballooning because because he's he's clearly got such an all-round game as a striker. It absolutely is. I mean, it, I was talking to a friend of mine, a West Ham fan about it tonight, actually, and just saying, I think Rashford is two goals away from being a serious consideration for the Euros, purely because he is... He doesn't seem to have any fear whatsoever. It, it's like he doesn't quite appreciate his situation, which is kind of great to a certain extent. I mean, maybe he is, and he's just taking all the strides. You know, it's just very straightforward. He makes it look so easy. And it's just absolutely brilliant to watch. And I can see him getting that England call-up in a couple of weeks' time, purely because 
he offers something different to you know the likes of Vardy or Kane, even Rooney at the minute. You know, he's very fast. He's very good at dribbling, and he's got a really good variety in his finishing. You know, he can score the tap-ins and he can create something from nothing. Yeah, I mean, all things are being equal. If you're going to take Deli Alley, then although it's over a slightly a shorter period of time, I don't think his impact has been any less than Deli Alley's has. Whether whether we have more options at centre forward or not, I'm not really sure. You know, you've got questions question marks over quite a few players. You, can he take Sturridge? Um, you know, is he, well, Sturridge, Welbeck, Carroll are all sort of that second level. You're really thinking, yeah. <laughs> all of those, all of those choices have got downsides to them, um, or you know, p- potential um, negatives. So, oh, and also, England have got a bit of a recent history of taking a wild card, a young forward to to tournaments. So. You know, we took we took um, uh, Walcott, and and obviously we took Rooney as well to the Euros when he was eighteen, um, and before that I only. We've got this just this history of of just chucking in a really young sort of audacious forward, um, and just seeing how they how they do. I wouldn't be surprised if he were chosen. I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't because I can see the pros and cons to it, but. From what we've seen so far, he's not going to be overawed, is he? No, absolutely not. I mean, side note, I would rather he didn't to a certain extent. I mean, not just because of the fact I'm Welsh, but also because <laughs> I would rather have him. I'd rather he had a quiet summer, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, going on from there, that that's... I mean, we were already playing pretty well in that, in that second half anyway, by the time that goal went in at 54 minutes. But that did seem to signal our, a good period of dominance there that was capped off by uh, Marwan Fellaini's knee. Yeah, you know, we're all very vigorous critics of Fellaini, and that is based on... The well, but not without good reason. To be <clears throat> no, no, I was going to say that is based on the fact that the six or seven games out of eight, he is utter shite. But he did have a good game, I can't deny. And, um, you know, he he probably deserves that goal. I, I feel sorry for him on a, on a human level, because clearly he didn't ask United to sign him. He, he did. He's not asking to be there he's not twisting anybody's arm to be there and he's going to want to be picked as much as anybody else I think we all do it we tend to personalise our feelings towards footballers so you know if we, a lot of times a lot of people if they like a footballer they start calling him by his first name which which grates and then I occasionally do it and I feel a twat um, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever but, said the word marijuana like that. No, no, but the old, the, you know, the, the flip, no. the flip side of that is, is we all talk about Fellaini with phlegm dripping from our mouths, don't we? And um, and steam coming out our ears, and, and it's you know the criticisms often, you know, it, it feels like it's very personal, but he is he isn't good enough to be United player in any sense. Um, but but he had a good game, and I. You know, I was thinking back about this the other, day, the other day. He has actually scored quite a few pretty important goals for us. It feels, it feels. I always feel bad criticising him. He had a good. Do you? He had a good game, but my heart sank when he was picked again today. That's what I'm going to say. Well, I mean, to be fair, we'll, we'll get on to the Villa game in a little while, but I'm not necessarily sure he was the biggest problem today. I mean, again, you, you talk about criticising Fellaini. It is like shooting fish in a barrel, you know, mm. with a bazooka, and the fish are already dead, but. <laughs> He, it's very, very quickly. It's very, very easy to then take these sort of situations and criticise them again. And you look at the way he sort of let Tompkins go for West Ham's goal on Wednesday night, and it was 
it was just far, far too easy for them. I mean, West Ham hadn't really had much of a sniff at goal before that. They've definitely been struggling to create. Pyatt was very, very quiet all night. You know, that free kick that he had towards the end ballooned over. And I just find myself turning to my friend at that night, just thinking, this is going in, this is absolutely going in, this is it, this is over. Mm. But... Yeah, I mean, that corner, that, that was when West Ham suddenly realised, hold on a minute, we've got Andy Carroll on the pitch and we're not sending balls up to him. They chopped one over to him at the back post, he headed it over and Tompkins stooped low to head it in. All right, great effort from him. Fellaini very weakly stuck a leg out when, I mean, I mean, you're just hoping for faster reactions and a bit more effort and a bit more, I don't know, just a bit more something. It, it just felt a little bit too easy. And after that goal, I think... United then did what they often do in this situation. They got spooked and just found it very, very difficult. I was going to say, I think it's a bit unfair just to talk about Flaney from that corner in that everybody just stopped doing what they were supposed to be doing, which we often, we sometimes do from set pieces. That's that's a different story together. But yeah, so West Ham scored. We, we crapped ourselves, sat back, flapped around. We essentially had De Gea to thank for not completely throwing it all away. Oh God, wasn't he wonderful? He was wonderful, but we're, we're completely used to his wondrousness now, and we so. I, and I actually said it was the first time it ever occurred to me. I don't know why. Just just after that game, I thought to myself, I think maybe De Gea is as good as Schmeichel was. You and I spoke about you know in terms of Player of the Year who we thought should actually get the vote this season, and I mean uh, maybe it took that performance to remind me just how very very good David De Gea actually is. But again, you know, absolute savior. You know, you're talking about. Uh, I think it was Valencia at the near post that that corner where we just let com- everyone completely go. I'd assume that was it. Got in. down yeah. so quickly. Yeah. Oh gosh, it looked absolutely in. I mean, most nine out of ten goalkeepers, if they get that sort of chance and the ball's coming at them that quickly, you're thinking that ball is going to get deflected into the net up and over him. But the way that he cleared it was absolutely superb. And then there was that uh, save from Carroll, then a save from Kiate. Oh, I mean, how lucky were we that Kiate was offside? I mean, it was very, very marginal. I, I would, I've, if that would have happened to us, I would have felt very, very aggrieved that we didn't get the decision our way. But he was. I mean, I, I don't. Perhaps if he'd been half a yard further out, he'd have still headed him. But um, he did look just offside, and you know, I, I think we probably over the course of the game deserved that little bit of luck, if it was luck, to get us over the line. I think we're the better team for the for the most part, really, weren't we? Yeah, we were. It's just we start game so slowly always I, d- I just don't understand always and quite often if we're if we're protecting a lead we just fall back and cack it for the last 10 or 15 minutes as witnessed again today which we'll talk about in a while um but so yes i mean that's just, we got the yips again didn't we, we did we, we always get the yips if we if, if we're holding a lead because we don't finish teams off because we don't we don't really go for the throat and and you know get three goal leads uh, three or four goal leads towards the end of the games. We're always, always leaving ourselves open to that last ten or fifteen minutes, where, where you know the other team will generally speak and have a crack because they've got nothing else to lose, and we're not good at dealing with it. And yeah, I suppose you're right. We got a bit lucky, a bit lucky to to get through that. But also, we have got an absolutely stupendous goalkeeper. So perhaps it's not not luck, and it's more just the fact that he's brilliant. I think that's also a huge part of it. But then. It- one thing we haven't actually touched on tonight is that we're actually through to an FA Cup semi-final, really. Yay! The most wondrous thing in such a terrible season. It is a wondrous thing. It's our first uh, visit to Wembley of any sort of importance since we got beaten in uh, the Champions League final against Barcelona, I believe. I'm actually feeling slightly better off about it after today with um, with City winning. 
it's, I, I, yeah. can't, I can't see, looking at the fixtures of the left, I cannot see any circumstance where we can overtake City fourth place. No, I mean, they need to lose twice, ideally, because their goal difference is so superior. You're looking at five points, ideally. And... They need they need to drop points today, really. This this was one of the hardest games left. So, for me, the idea that the Van Gaal can't finish fourth, and that was the, the question for me, and I just don't... I think even if he wins the FA Cup, I don't think it can keep him in a job. No, I don't think it should keep him in a job. No, it shouldn't, but I, but what, what it should and what it does is diff- it's a different thing where United's concerned, isn't it? <laughs> um I don't think. I think even if he wins the FA Cup, he can't keep him in a job. So I'm suddenly feeling a lot more positive about the the semi final because there's no. It's not a double edged sword anymore to, in my mind. Anyway, perhaps I'm completely being incredibly naive. Perhaps. I mean, well, I guess we'll see. I mean, one thing we can say about United's ball these days is that it's thoroughly unpredictable, and trying to figure out what they're going to do is harding to nothing. But I, I do feel quite good about the, the semi final. I mean, Everton have had some struggles. We beat them twice a season already. Not that that's a, an indication of. You know any sort of form if you look back at the Europa League quarterfinal second leg at Anfield cough cough but uh, yeah I'm very much looking forward to it next Saturday I, I think it'd be nice just to have a showpiece occasion you know it's been a while we've, we've been again it might sound quite spoiled because we've had such a wonderful last 20 you know years or so but it, it feels nice to have an occasion to look forward to you know it, it just it feels really good to know that we're off to Wembley even if it's just a semi-final I really don't care I'm just happy that we're there we've not we've not done well in the FA Cup though have we for for, for, for a while 12 been, years I was I was the last final which was in 2007 I think it was 2007 wasn't it, it was Chelsea game um, yeah it was awful which was really a kind of it felt like an after the law mayor show performance you know we'd won the league and we just looked knackered Chelsea were clearly hungry to win something whereas we'd already won something you know by the end of that game I was just kind of I, I just got to the point where I wanted the season to end um, it will all be over and just someone to win because I wanted to go home and not think about football for a bit. <laughs> it, it kind of felt like that. And it was quite a subdued subdued atmosphere that, um, you know, we'd won the title back after four years. Um, and that, that felt like the most important part of that season. And the, the cup final was almost a bit of an afterthought. And it was it was the first at the new Wembley as well. And um, it was just a bit of a strange occasion. And we've just, we've just not performed in the FA Cup consistently since, since then. Um, so it's nice to be within touching distance of the final again. We, we all sound a bit hypocritical because we've been taking the piss out of Arsenal for the last two years, getting excited about their FA Cup wins. But you know we're we're at the point now where we, beggars can't be choosers. Winning an FA Cup would be a really nice way to end a really crap two years, and it might allow Van Gaal to exit with some dignity. Exactly. Yeah, I think it'd be it'd be a nice, good way to underline you know this this whole. Last these last two years, and I think if if United are going to prod him out this summer, I think one of the best ways they can do it is with a trophy because he stated openly that he wants to win the FA Cup, and I'm sure United very much would like to win a trophy considering that we haven't done that very much recently. So, actually making that happen would I think be a nice way for him to leave it. He'll feel like he's done something out of these last two years. He's got something to show for it. He was saying in the in the pre-match, the Friday press conference for this for the Villa game that that he's won a trophy at every club he's been at. You know, I can, I can see why in his head it would really spoil things if he didn't retire with that record intact. Yeah. Now there are many many things that piss me off about Van Hal, but I can understand on a human level that is something that might be important to him, and I'd rather him exit stage left with his head held high than than 
you know, looking at the ground and with the, having had an experience that will sour his career a bit. Exactly. I mean, look, if we're not going to get top four and Van Gaal's going, then I'd much rather he left as an FA Cup winner than, you know, just as the way it is. Because whilst I've disagreed with many, 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 many of the things that have happened in the last two years, and I do think that a lot of the problems that we're having are down to him over this last season... I'd still like it to at least end with a note of positivity going forward because I think that would make it a lot easier for a lot of the current squad, most of whom I assume are sticking around depending on you know what, whoever takes over in the summer, if Van Hull goes, obviously. Um, I think it would be positive for everyone at the club to actually get a taste of winning something again. You know, It's been a while. Anyway, moving on. Uh, oh, actually, I just remember what we've got to move on to, the Villa game. Yay. Ugh. Really, has a 1-0 win felt so absolutely hollow, Rich? It was an utterly, utterly wretched performance. Bear in mind that we're playing probably the worst team in Premier League history. Up, Not quite as bad as Derby. Not quite as bad as Derby County, to be fair, Rich. They only got one win that season. The thing I remember about Derby is that they at least kept trying there wasn't ever the impression that they'd given up or um they just couldn't be asked um they just there was just a lack of quality there whereas this villa team there's a lack of quality but they've all they've also just they just gave up they've given up they don't give a shit none of them i mean we've we've heard about joey lescott said some stuff after the game today the basis of which was essentially i'm glad we're relegated because that was weighing us all down and now we're going to go out and give the fans something to shout about and and you know that 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 to me is everything that's wrong with the attitude of that club. It's that we're already down, so now we're going to go and do. Well, now we're going to go and try and play for you. And he also, you know, he also he also implied that a lot of the team's problems came from the fans and the fans' criticisms and and things like that. What just utter scumbaggery, using up just essentially just blaming everybody else for. For, the, for their own faults and it's been it's just been a, they're, they're a team of cowards absolute cowards and they came to United today and they've been getting smashed left right and centre by everybody any any everybody and anybody City City didn't even play that well against them and beat them 4-0 but it was just the most predictable game in the world it doesn't matter who we play at Old Trafford we could play Tamworth at home in, a, in an FA Cup third round game and it would look the same as if we played City at home in an FA Cup third round game almost nothing would happen it would be a low scoring game it's just the same game we played every week you just want to see in these sort of instances when a team that is playing badly that's conceding a lot of goals you want to see Van Gaal United just think let's go for it let's use our pace which we've got a lot of and just try just Try and attack in just ways fly at them. quickly. Just fly at them from the start. And especially today, considering that Villa didn't really get going and actually put a chance in and very nearly nicked the late equaliser towards the end of the game. It was just this fact of watching United very gently prod. I mean, all right, one one good thing that happened today, Rich, apart from the fact that Marcus Rashford scored, because any time that happened, that's great. Yep. We got a goal in the first half. I know, I know. Dizzy, dizzy. The East End was Bouncing. Dizzy heads at the, uh, at the scoreboard end. Bless him. They, they must have been through a torrid, torrid season in that East End this year. Wayne Rooney's Hollywood ball. It, it, it was a good ball. And um, Antonio, we had the novelty of Antonio Valencia gaining an assist. Having a lot of space. Having a lot of space. Gaining an assist, not stopping and passing the ball backwards inside to, to one of the midfielders. Slash running down the outside and not being able to deliver a ball. Yep. And Rashford didn't 
I don't think he caught caught it very well, but I think it kind of just went went through a player's legs, and Guzan didn't really see it until late. And but it, we don't really care. It went in, and you know, it's just a nice reminder as well that he can that he's a poacher as well as a as well as a, a scorer of great goals. Then nothing else happened. What what, what did you think of uh, our returning captain leader Legend Wayne Rooney? I think he looked extremely rusty. That was a nice, you know, it was a lovely ball to to Valencia for the goal. Uh, you know, his touch was. a pretty ropey at times he did okay I mean he didn't he wasn't awful he wasn't great he just ran around a lot I mean if you if you think that Fergie used to say and he was right that Rooney needed seven or eight games to get back to his peak and into his rhythm after injury which we didn't really question at the time because because when he was really on it he was so good you know now he's his powers are diminished you know you have to start questioning that you you know you can a play it can a a player who's not necessarily better than the rest of the players around him be afforded seven or eight games to to get really sharp but he was fine nothing special nothing terrible um but then you could say that about almost everybody today so when it comes to Rooney he's in a very interesting situation now it's something he's not faced over the last sort of 10-12 years in the sense that there are players that arguably deserve to be played ahead of him for both the national side and for United it's not something that he's ever really faced, at least on both fronts, really. I mean, you could say perhaps when Van Persie came in, but even Van Persie wasn't keeping him out of the lineup for the most part. I, I did I did notice a bit more effort from him today, perhaps when he normally comes back from these sort of injuries. I don't think he had a terrible game. I think, again, you only had to look at Memphis's break at the start of the second half, where he had two players the other side of him, a good two or three metres out. And he still managed to miscontrol it under absolutely no pressure mm. whatsoever. And I think, I wouldn't say it was an excellent performance, but I, I did get this sense that Rooney is acutely aware of the fact that he is, to a certain extent now, between now and the end of the season, playing to prove that he belongs in the England squad. Yeah, you're right. And I think I think in terms of United, his salvation will be that... That contract is his absolute salvation, because he hasn't got to go anywhere. The contract is his salvation, and also the fact that we don't have anybody who's played even really competently consistently at, at number 10 so Van, I don't think Van Hart's going to drop Rashford between now and the end of the season barring a complete loss of form over you know five or six games but Rashford's going to play up front but we don't really have anybody else of any any ability who who is going to cement the, the position behind him and I think Rooney will end up just just being stuck there by default because he has to play and default, default exactly default. yeah so it, it, you know have whatever it is six or seven games to to really essentially show whether show Roy Hodgson whether he should be starting in in the Euros or or not I, I can't see how Rooney could start as the, the the main striker for England when you've got you've got Kane and Vardy have had seasons far 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 above anything that, that Rooney's produced this season. No, I think if Hodgson wants to do something in France, he can't start Rooney, really, no. can't build a team around him. I think if he can find a place for him in some sort of side, perhaps bring him on the substitute, I certainly think he'll take oh, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, because he's captain in the experience, I, I would expect him to have a spot on the plane. But I think starting him is a hiding to nothing. But there we go. That's that's Captain Wayne. Uh, stand-up performers, it's really difficult to pick out, really, isn't it? I, I thought, for the most part, I think apart from that one chance from that corner where Villa switched off and Mata had that quick shot, which, if he may have had a little bit more space, he could have squared it to Rojo or Fellaini for an easy tap-in. Chances, I mean, Memphis hitting the post after that deflected shot, but I really can't think of anything more than that. And to be fair, 
there's an argument to say that Villa really should have equalised late on. Well, we had we had four shots on target. Oh, did we? Oh, great. We did have four shots on target, which is double our, our usual amount, um, at least. Yeah, I mean, Villa hadn't really offered very much until those last 10 or 15 minutes when we, we as we said, we did our our you know usual coward, act of cowardice at the end and all all start to flap and panic and um and you know Villa could have scored three times in about 30 seconds couldn't they the, the, the two corners in a row and they had two chances from one of the one of the corners and then they instead hit the post from the, the second one um it was Clark with the header towards the end that De Gea got down well for yeah that's right and I don't you know I don't think any of us could have turned around and said we didn't deserve that because because we did you know we got a goal and then did nothing we didn't we we weren't brave. We didn't put press the game. We didn't play with any tempo. We just passed sideways and just drifted through the game, just, just as if you know we'll just pass this around for an hour and Villa won't do anything and we won't do anything and then we'll just get one 0 win and we're happy with that. And it really nearly bit us on the arse and we couldn't have argued if they'd scored. And that's pretty. That's a pr- pretty damning indictment of that performance because Villa are really shit. <laughs> oh, they are so bad. Well, think about it. We we played them twice this season, and all right, we haven't conceded, but we've only scored two goals. Chelsea scored four. It was either last weekend or the weekend before. I can't remember which, but oh, dearie me. It's just an, an easy target that we couldn't pick apart. The chances were there. Villa were certainly no great shapes defensively, and they could be pulled apart had we actually decided, yeah, let's go for it. But for whatever reason, whether it's a combination of players just not being up for it and the Van Hal, Van Hal not wanting his players to step out of line, it just didn't happen. And again, it it just felt incredibly flat. It felt like a win, yeah, but why didn't we do better? Why didn't we do more? Why didn't we try harder to get more goals? I mean, our goal if we're talking about Van Hal still seriously believing we're in a top four finish, he must have looked at our goal difference column and thought, right, this is the worst team in the league. What have we got to lose? Goals. We got one. Yeah, what do we have to lose by by having a real thrash at them today? Uh, you know, there are two there are two options here. Either either we don't have we're not playing the system, or the players are not given the mentality by the by the manager that they can do that, or they're just not good enough to break down defenses. And I suspect it's a combination of both, isn't it? It's it's having had it drummed into them all season. You know, two, for two seasons that. Uh, you have to have patience and pass sideways and just wait and expect the defenders to run into each other and present you with a through on goal or someone just to see the perfect pass at some point in the second half and win one nil. And it's just, it's just awful to watch. It's awful to watch. And uh, it, it, it amuses me that people, though the, the, the few stopouts who are hanging on to the idea that, that Van Gaal, needs to be given time that he's making progress and that he's he's sticking to the values of United by promoting youth team players. The values of United are playing attacking football and winning or at least trying to win with some style. He he has picked a few of the young players and he has brought them through and perhaps another manager wouldn't have done that and he should take credit for that. But the football is an absolute betrayal of everything that Fergie instilled at the club and Busby instilled at the club. You know, ultimately we, we although they'd been in the job for a lot longer, you know, we, we got rid of Sexton because because the football was turgid and we, we appointed Ron Atkinson because of his flamboyance and the flamboyance of his teams and we loved we loved Tom O'Doherty because because of the way his teams played with two wingers and 
pace and and you know flair and try to score goals and van Hal has betrayed everything that the club stands for bar the the youth element and i i, I just find it impossible it just incomprehensible that the people can think that he's upholding the values of united because he's had a small squad and decided to promote a, f- a few of the young players it's very very difficult to get behind him now i think it's been difficult to get behind him for a long time I mean, that kind of brings me on to uh, the last point of the night. Now, I don't, I'm pretty sure you you got this message as well, Rich. I don't want to read too much into a Twitter DM, but United sending out a message to every one of their followers, I believe, asking them uh, to join the season ticket waiting list for next season yep. was absolutely fascinating. Mm. I've seen several friends on my timeline who have got uh, season tickets you know, note that they've been called up by United and asking them if they plan to renew this season. And the message from a lot of people has been the same. Get rid of Van Hal and I'll renew. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you follow, follow Ollie Winton on Twitter, but he, he has links to the club. He was saying he was saying just after the full time today that if United get to the, the cup final, it's likely that the, the deadline for season ticket holders to renew will come before we know who's going to be or season ticket holders know who's going to be manager next season. And there's a dilemma for you, isn't it? Because you know, do I spend? Do I want to spend another? Not me personally, but season ticket holders want to spend another eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand pounds to spend another season watching that. And you know, a lot of people will because because going to the game is about more than just the the ninety minutes. But by the same same token there also are a lot of people who you know now a season ticket costs a lot of money and the game is a consideration i mean to me this dm is a very roundabout way of just gauging current fan perception of the situation and how happy they are with united because they want to be guaranteed you know a certain amount of bums on seats you also got to think about the fact that we're looking quite likely now to miss out on top four and that wonderful cash that comes with it with the champions league qualification they are perhaps thinking about in a financial sense and especially if they know that they're going to have to fill a stadium next season with a lot of unhappy people if they do keep van Hal, i think they're just trying to get as much information as possible just to see how people are viewing United at the moment. It's got to be a, it's got to be a, a god awful job working at the ticket office and having to phone calling people chasing up, up season Are you going to renew your then? season ticket? <laughs> Getting hundreds and hundreds of people get rid of Van Hal. Okay, I'll take that on board. It wouldn't it, it really wouldn't surprise me if they were if they were actually taking feedback from that, you know, it's a sensible thing to do, isn't it? Absolutely, I think you should. I think they should be taking feedback from it. I'm sure that I'm sure that, that Cuddly Ed is is constantly in between in between bickering with with Fergie and Charlton or whatever he's whatever he's rumored to be doing with regards to the next manager. I'm sure he's he's taking constant soundings of of the the uh, potential impact on revenues. What worries me about Ed, though, is if you get like a chart of all the responses and he sees, you know, 60% of people won't renew if Van Hal's in charge, 20% of people aren't sure, 20% of people want to keep Van Hal happy with it. He looks at 20% and thinks, that's enough. That'll do me. It's such a complex, it's such a, there's such a complex dynamic, isn't there, at the club? And um, there's clearly a lot of club politics and an element of self-interest and a question as to whether the business has become more important than the football club um, or or the, the the results of the business have become more important than the results of the football club. It's really hard to know. I'm sure from a personal pride perspective, Edward Ward wants 
United to win things on his watch um, because that that will be his legacy to a point and at the moment his legacy is him being a bumbling tit <laughs> so you know he he will want United to win and this is why I think ultimately we'll end up with Mourinho because there are negatives to him he is as big a guarantee that you'll win something as anybody else in world football Absolutely. I think in terms of United options at the moment, you stick with Van Hal and you're guaranteed much of the same. I think if you give it to Giggs, you might get success in a couple of years, but that's a bit of a big risk. If you want to get back at the top quickly, it is absolutely Mourinho. I don't think there's any other viable option at the moment. The, the, the ideal is if you're going to give Giggs the job at some, some juncture in the future, it's when the club are, are on, on top. Or as cl- or close to on, on top as possible, and he's inheriting a you know inheriting a strong squad. He can't. We can't possibly trust him with an absolutely enormous rebuilding job. It's just not. It's not practical, and it's just a complete punt in the dark. And it, it would be risking everything. Really, I think this is the most important juncture we've had in the club for, you know, perhaps for thirty years. So I, I can't see us taking that sort of risk. All right, Rich, thank you very much for talking to me tonight. Much appreciated. Guys, thank you very much for listening. We will be back, hopefully celebrating a place in the FA Cup final for the first time since 2007 after Saturday's game against Everton. We'll see. Anyway, thank you very much for listening and good night. Good night.